Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all today. Uh, so, here we are with uh, another parable. Um, I, I've really enjoyed this uh, series of sermons, looking at parables, that sometimes... Some of, the, some of the parables are some of the harder ones. Uh, some of them are quite easy to understand, but hard to actually put into practice. Uh, and it's been, I found it really challenging. I hope you have too. Um, I've just got what, uh, I just want to bring up last week's sermon. Uh, Andrew Maneri preached. Uh, and I'm just going to denounce him as a heretic. No, I'm not, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Uh, if you if you were here, you hopefully will remember it. It was uh, about uh, he talked about broadcasting the word of God. Uh, and if you weren't here, I would encourage you to pick it up on uh, our website, on YouTube channel, or on podcast. Um, but as I've reflected on what Andrew said to us, I really felt this week that it was a prophetic word for us. That there was something there that we truly need to grasp hold of. That we as the people of God here in Southport need to be just casting out seeds wherever we go. Whoever you meet this week, you need to be looking for opportunities to just talk about Jesus. Not about church, but about Jesus. That you, wherever you work this week, you make the most of every opportunity to talk about Jesus. Because it's only by casting our seed wide that we'll ever see any harvest. So uh, I really, really feel that it's a challenge and a prophetic challenge to us as a church. If we're to transform this town like our vision says, then we need to be broadcasting the word of God, scattering that word wherever we go. Uh, and I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, and I'll keep saying it until you get it into your hearts, that I think Southport is ready for harvest. I, thank you, that person. Uh, I think it's really easy in this town to talk about Jesus. Uh, you know, there are people outside just giving out leaflets and chatting away to people who didn't even know there was a church here about what happens here, about Jesus and all that kind of stuff. So it's actually quite easy here. Be encouraged by that. It's not as hard as you think. So please let me encourage you to broadcast the word of God. Uh, so we're looking at another parable today, um, Luke 17, and uh, it's a really short parable, it's a very simple parable, but also deeply profound. Uh, and I hope that this parable will challenge you as much as some of the others. Uh, but before I talk, let's pray. Lord God, we want to thank you for the way that your word consistently and constantly brings a challenge to our hearts and our lives. And Lord, I pray that this morning... We may hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And that we may respond to what your Spirit is saying positively. Help us, Lord, to hear the call that you've placed upon our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I wonder if you've um, ever tried to bargain with God. I know I tried to when I was a kind of younger Christian. When I say young Christian, I don't mean young in age, but, you know, I became a Christian when I was 21. Uh, but kind of early on in my walk with Jesus, I'd be like, Lord, if I do this for you, will you do this for me? Anyone ever had to go with that? Yeah, yeah there's a few people. 
Or maybe you've kind of served God for a long time and suddenly something happens. You get sick, something devastating happens. And the first thought in your mind is, Lord, I have served you all these years and now this is happening. Why? Oh, there's a few nods to that as well. This parable cuts right across that kind of thinking. This parable is a challenge to our attitudes in the way that we serve God. This parable kind of helps us reshape our service of God. And that's the way I want you to think about what's going on this morning. You see, there is never at any point in our lives where because of what we have done for God that he owes us anything. You cannot bargain with God. You are never a volunteer for God. You are always a servant. You cannot do God a favour. It just doesn't work that way. And so the whole idea of trying to bargain with God is a false one. It, It is a complete misconception of who God is and who you are. It's a misconception of your identity in God. And what does this parable say? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? In lots of the Bibles, uh, sorry, lots of the Bibles, in lots of the parables, uh, the parable is often about a master or a king and a slave. And Jesus tells these parables. And in that relationship, he is indicating something about our standing with God. See, we, be, we all believe this, we know this is true, that when we come to Jesus, he is our saviour, he is our friend, he's our brother, he's all those things. But he is also our Lord. And we are his slaves. And the Greek word that's used here in this parable is doulos, uh, and that can be translated as kind of servant, but mostly it's slaves. We are slaves to and for God. Now that cuts across lots of our thinking in this kind of generation. We don't like that kind of thinking. I'm a slave to no man. I'm free and all those kind of things. I'm the master of my own destiny. And of course it's all a load of rubbish. None of us are ever free. We are either slaves to sin or slaves to God. So Romans 6.22 says this. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, which is eternal life. You are either a slave to sin or a slave of God. And that's always our choice. And Jesus himself, he talked about that no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And there in that little phrase is the indication that we are servants at the very least. Perhaps even slaves. We are each and every one of us called to be a slave of God. And I'm using that word deliberately because it's a stronger word. And I'm hoping it's kind of jarring with you a little bit. Is it? That you're a slave to God? It should jar with you a little bit because it is so counter to how we think. 
And yet it's there in Scripture. It's interesting that uh, both, so Paul, Peter and James, when they start their letters, they say, Paul, a slave of God. James, a servant of God. Peter, a servant or a slave of God. But it was part of their identity. It was part of how they saw themselves. That in their relationship with God, with all the other warm, fuzzy things around being loved and being uh, a friend of God and all those kind of things, that they are also recognizing that they are slaves of God. Because they are called to a life of obedience. They are called to a life where they simply do what their Heavenly Father says. And that is a call that is placed upon each and every one of us. To do what God says. To be obedient to him. And to follow him wherever he leads. And to be the kind of people who are not distracted by the things of this world. But simply do what God says. That we serve him completely. We are his slaves. And Charles Spurgeon, he says a huge amount about this. And one uh, one quote, or two quotes, he says this, I long for nothing more earnestly than to serve God with all my might. Here is a man who was one of the best preachers, one of the best Bible scholars of his time. And as he studied scripture, what his conclusion was, I am called to serve God with everything I have, with all my strength, with all my wealth, with everything I have and am, I am called to serve God. He also said this, that one of the greatest rewards that we ever receive for serving God is the permission to do still more for him. Do you hear that? That when you serve God, you simply have permission to do more. And isn't that what we read in this passage, this parable? The servant, and and picture a small household with just one servant. That's the kind of image here. And the servant goes out and he's either tending the sheep or he's plowing the field all day. And he comes home and there is no expectation that when he gets back to the house... That his master will say, ah, you worked hard all day. Come on, I'll wash your feet. You sit down and I'll get your food. That is not the role of a servant. When he gets back, his work has not yet finished. He is there to still serve his master, to prepare the food and to serve his master. The work never stops. And I think that's a challenge for For those of you who have the kind of mindset to think, well, I've done my bit and now I can step back and let others do it. For those of you who are retired, do not ever think that you've retired from the kingdom of God. It just doesn't work that way. We are all called to serve God with all that we have, with all of our life, for the rest of our life. We are all called to serve God completely and wholeheartedly without ever thinking that we can step back and retire from his service. It just doesn't work that way. 
That is not God's expectation on your life. See, there is always more to do. Just with our vision, trying to transform this town, trying to reach every man, woman and child with the gospel, will take each and every one of us serving God for the rest of our lives here in this town. There are not enough Christians currently to make us think that this is an easy task. If we are truly to allow the gospel to be broadcast across this town, it will take each and every one of us serving God wherever we are. (coughs) Whether that's at home, in our street, in our workplace, when we're at the shops, when we're uh, at play, doing whatever we do. It will take each and every one of us serving God in those places all of our, with all of our hearts and with all of our lives in order to transform this town completely. See, Jesus isn't just our friend and our brother and our saviour and our redeemer. He is our Lord. He is our King. And he calls us into obedience to him. He calls us into a place where our whole attitude should be. Lord, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? How can I serve you today? How can I serve you in this place? How can I serve you tomorrow when I go to that place? What is it you are calling me to do? See, Jesus has always got to be first in all things in our life. And there is never at any point in our life where we have done so much for him that he is in debt to us. He is never in debt to us. The opposite is only true. That we are forever in his debt. So don't think by, by serving God and whatever it is you do that you are somehow currying favour with God. Because that's not the way it works with our Lord and our King. Right at the end of that parable, it says this. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should only say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. The call upon us to be obedient is to simply do what he tells us to do. To live out our life as his servants. To live out our life as obedient followers of Jesus. Without any sense of expectation of what he might give us in return. Without any sense of, I have now done my bit and I can step back. None of us have that opportunity. You know, I love my job. I know that winds some people up because they hate their jobs. But I, I mean, I love doing what I do. I love the opportunity that I get to, to serve God each and every day. That my whole life is allowed to be given completely to his service. And when I think about retirement, it is not with any sense of, whoa, I can step back. I will simply change how I work for God. Andrew's not liking this. 
Because the ministry and the mission that God has given me, for me, is so all-consuming that it, it, it is just, this is what I do to, the, to my dying breath. I've got a friend, he retired when he was 52. And I'm like, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you going to do? What are you going to give your life for? What are you going to give your life to that has any meaning, purpose or significance? See, we are in a privileged position. Because we are followers of Jesus, we know what we are called to do. Broadcast the name of Jesus to every single person that we come across. You know, you might wonder, well, I don't know what God's called me to. At the very least, you know this. Go and tell people about Jesus. It's the Great Commission. And you can do that no matter who you are, how old you are, or wherever you go. You can tell people about Jesus. I was at a a, a training day yesterday uh, about missional communities. Uh, And a friend of mine, Nick, he was talking about how uh, wherever he goes, I've seen him do this. And it's annoying how good he is at it. Wherever he goes, he just starts conversations and tells people about Jesus. And he was in Edinburgh for a conference, uh, and he sat in the front of the taxi, and next to him was a Pakistani Muslim, and he started a conversation about Jesus. And uh, the Pakistani Muslim said, give me your contact details. And that was two months ago. And over the last couple of months, they've been in, in conversation. This guy's come down a couple of times to have a conversation with Nick. Uh, and in this last week, he came down and he said, you make me a Christian, you baptise me. And in a friend's hot tub, this Pakistani Christian gave his life to Jesus and was baptised. Why? Because Nick knows the value of broadcasting the name of Jesus wherever he goes. And that doesn't have to be in Edinburgh. It can be in Southport. And that is our task for the rest of our lives. To make Jesus known. To make him famous wherever we go. And that never stops. You never retire from being a witness. You never retire from seeking to transform the lives of others with the good news of Jesus. Because you are slaves to God and he has called you to go and proclaim the good news. And so that's what we do. We do it with grace and we do it with love and we do it kind of winsomely. But we do it as much as we possibly can. We are all slaves to God and we know what we're called to do and we simply need to do it. To stop messing around, to stop holding back, to stop thinking that others can do it and I can step back and hide in the shadows. It doesn't work that way. Let me ask you a question. What is God saying to you right now? And what are you going to do about it? See, the key to all discipleship are those two questions. What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do? That's the key to all discipleship. But let me put this in some context. Because all of this might sound like to some of you that God is some kind of tyrant. Standing over you like some big bad Lord telling you to do things you never want to do. Let me put this into some context. You see, 
If you fully understand the cross, seeing God as your Lord and King will never be a problem. See, when you fully understand the depths from which Christ has lifted you out of, when you fully understand the depth and the dirt of your sin that you've been cleansed from, whether you fully understand just what it cost Jesus to lay aside his divinity and to come and live on earth amongst us as one of us, when you fully understand what it was like for him to stand in front of a mock trial and to be convicted to death for something he didn't do, when you fully understand the pain of the cross and what it cost him to be separated from his father for the first time in eternity, to die a death that he didn't deserve, to have your sin, your guilt, your shame placed upon him and for him to die the death that only you deserve. When you fully understand the cross, then you will serve God for the rest of your life out of gratitude. See, this parable is trying to change our attitude in how we serve in God. It is not to bargain with God. It is not about simply duty or chore. It is about gratitude. We serve God out of gratitude for what he has done, not is a bargaining chip for what he will do. And I want to encourage you to get your head around the cross. And I know this is the wrong time of year to be talking about the cross. We're talking about Easter soon. But the cross is a year-round thing. It's not just the Easter. Get your head around what Jesus has done for you. Get your head around just how wretched you were without Jesus. And to understand how he has made you clean. He has made you righteous. He has given you new life. And you now have a new standing with the Father. You are now in relationship with God because of what he did upon the cross. And when you fully understand that, I tell you, you will serve God with all that you have for the rest of your life. And you'll do it because you know it's not a chore. It is a delight. To serve God with a glad and thankful heart. <coughs> but another thing, just to put this in context, is this. The Bible talks about us being slaves, but also about us being children of God. We're not just as slaves and servants, we are his kids. You are his son and his daughter. So Galatians 4 says this, that you are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. And Romans 8, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you now have a loving relationship with your Heavenly Father. You are His kid. 
And that changes the nature of how we serve. Because we are serving not simply just out of gratitude, but out of love. It is no chore, is it, to serve those who we love. It is no act of duty when we serve out of love. And whatever it is that God has called you into to serve him in. Make sure that you are serving out of gratitude and that you're serving out of love. That you're serving from that place where it is not because of what you might get but it's what he has done. You're serving from that place. Now that is not to say that your service produces, does not produce fruit. It does. It produces blessing. Luke 11, Jesus says this. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. You will be blessed by serving God. But that is never our reason and motivation for it. Our reason, our motivation should always be gratitude and love. One of the first prophetic words that someone gave me was, uh, I was a new Christian. I was uh, 21 at the time, and uh, someone came to me and said, uh, I think I've got a word for you. And it's um, from Scripture. And it's the words that the Father spoke over Jesus at his baptism. And those words are, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this woman said, I believe God's saying that over you. I'm like, wow, I've done nothing. I mean, all I did was turn up on a Sunday. That, that was the, about the level of my service to God. You know, I was doing him a favor. I turned up on a Sunday. I got out of bed as a 21-year-old and went to church. Helped out with the youth group every now and again. And I suddenly realized that it's not about what I do. God loves me because I'm his kid. God loves you because you're his kid. And there's nothing that you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing that you can do to curry more favour from him. You could be the laziest Christian in the world doing absolutely nothing for God. And he will love you just as much as the person who's giving their life in service for God. Nothing that we do changes that. And it's been interesting for me that throughout my ministry, at the lowest times of my ministry, when I've struggled with things that are going on in, in church and all that kind of stuff, where I felt like the world was against me, someone would come to me and said, I think I've got a prophetic word for you. It's this. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I can tell you it's happened about four or five times. Every time at the lowest point, God reminds me, it's not about what you do. It's not about your fruitfulness and your success. You are simply my son and I love you. And that is exactly the same for you as it is for me. And every time God says that to me, my response is, To move more powerfully and energetically in serving him. Not because I feel it's a duty, but be it an act of love. He loves me despite of my failure. Despite of my 
ridiculous failings and weaknesses. He loves me. And because of that, I want to demonstrate my love for him through service. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you today to make sure that you change your attitude about how you serve God. To not see this as a chore, to not see this as a bargaining chip with God. But to serve God with all that you have for the rest of your life. Out of gratitude and out of love. Because he is the only one who's worth serving in that way. He is the only one who is worthy of the service that you give. And, you know, you've already heard this morning a plea from Catherine about, you know, uh, youth workers. We could do with more children's workers. We could do with people helping out with all sorts of things throughout the week. And maybe God's calling you to that. But I know the one thing he is definitely calling you to. Broadcast the word of God wherever you go. Scatter that seed. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about how amazing he is. Because at the very least, that is the call upon all of our lives. Would you please stand? And so would the band like to come up? moments I'm just going to pray for us but uh, as ever we all have people at the side who are prepared to pray for you no matter what it is you're going through no matter what it is you're struggling with whether you need healing for something whether there's a circumstance a situation that you're facing that you need God's intervention in someone will be here to pray for you we believe that God heals we believe that God intervenes And so we're available for you to receive prayer. But it might be this morning that as I've spoken, that there are things that just start to stir up for you. It might be, as Andrew said before, that there's just fear in your life. You know, fear has no place within a child of God. The Father's perfect love drives out fear. So why not be free from that fear? Receive prayer today. It might be that you struggle just with the idea of talking to people about Jesus. And you know what? We all do that a little bit. We all struggle with that. Even people like Rob who can talk about Jesus to anyone. I bet he still struggles with it. <coughs> but you know what? When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it gets easier and easier. So I want to offer today that you are if you feel that you're just struggling with sharing the good news with people, to come and be filled again with the Holy Spirit, because that's why the Holy Spirit was given, that we might be his witnesses wherever we go. God wants to fill people here today with his Spirit afresh. To be filled with the power to share the truth of God. And so uh, if some people just like to, uh, the ministry team like to go to one side just so people can see who you are. Let me pray for all of us. 
I'm just going to pray a prayer in which we commit ourselves to being the servants of God. And uh, if you want to kind of make that your prayer, why not just put your hand on your heart because that's where it starts, isn't it? In our hearts. So maybe just put your hand on your heart as you make this your prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us in the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you've taken us from dark places and brought us into the light. We thank you that you've empowered us with new life. We thank you, Lord, that you took our sin, our pain, our shame, our guilt upon yourself so that we might be free to be servants of you. Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us, that we may commit ourselves to serving you with all that we have, with all the days that we have. Help us, Lord, to serve you the best that we can, out of gratitude for what you've done, out of love for you, Lord, I pray now that you would speak to each and every one of us about what you are calling us to do. Help us, Lord, to be simply obedient servants. In Jesus' name. Amen.